saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way It's time to name the neglect from typical food advice. Welcome to the Find Your Food Voice podcast, hosted by me, Julie Duffy Dillon. I'm a registered dietitian with 20 years of experience partnering with folks just like you on their food peace journey. What have we learned? Well, cookie cutter approaches exclude too many people and you don't need to be fixed. It's not you. It's not me. It's all of us. Only together, we can start a movement and fix diet culture. And we will. Let's begin with now. Hi, and welcome to episode 281 of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. How is that journey going for you? I appreciate that it has been a hard time. There's a lot going on in this world and mending your relationship with food can be even harder during these times. I am wondering how you are doing. And you may be someone who is feeling okay with the food part, or maybe not, (laughs) but also really struggling with your relationship with movement. What is it like for you to rest all day? What's the message that your brain gives you? Do you get a message of, wow, I must have needed rest, or that felt really good to rest my body? Does that sound foreign to you? Yeah, many people I talk to, that's not the message that their brain is giving them. Instead, the message is the four-letter word that just needs to be gone, lazy. Oh, that word is so loaded. And that is one that Yelly Cruz and I, Yelly is um, an assistant, uh, podcast assistant for the Find Your Food Voice podcast and our resident bibliophile we talk about in this episode. This episode is a book review episode of the book called Weight Less by Maggie McGill. And we found this book by finding their Instagram. And so we're really excited to share our review and a discussion about movement as it relates to your food peace journey. Maggie McGill's book is... um, 
a brief one. It's only 25 pages. It sort of looks like a workbook in PDF format. And we could have talked longer than the 33 minutes that we recorded. We had so much to say. So like, it's a small and a mighty book that especially if you're in a place where your relationship with movement is really getting in the way, it's causing a lot of pain, there's trauma connected to it, or you're feeling really stuck, we highly recommend this book. So before we get to this book review here from Yelly Cruz, we want to ask you, is there a book that you think we should review? Maybe you're an author of a book or you've read one recently that you think is really important. We would love to have that feedback from you. You can give us that feedback over at julieduffydillon.com slash contact. There's a way to do that. And if you're also someone who is wanting to submit a letter to food, to your body, to movement, to anything that's really promoting a struggle for you, you can also do that in that same place, julieduffydillon.com slash contact. And you can submit your dear food letter right there. And we really want yours. We haven't gotten it yet. And we're really excited to share it um, on an episode. So send it to julieduffydillon.com slash contact. All right. We are going to get to the discussion on weight less with Yelly Cruz in just a minute after this quick sponsor. We all know that diets and diet culture, eating disorders, they all contribute to being literally probably the biggest asshole that we can find. They are mean, they are like a a mind suck and mind fuck, honestly. They do so much to suck the energy out of the room and our lives. So if you are looking for more tools to find a way to recover from your eating disorder, to fight back against diet culture, I have tools that are waiting for you. You can get them at julieduffydillon.com slash voice. I have handouts to help when you go to the doctor, if you're living with PCOS and other tools that you may find helpful no matter where you are on your journey to really connect with non-diet tools. Maybe you like intuitive eating or you read the book Anti-Diet or you just have decided that, oh my gosh, I cannot diet ever again. Well, again, I have some tools for you. Go to julieduffydillon.com slash voice and you can connect with them right now. Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. 
I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. All right, let's get to my chat with Yelly Cruz about the book, Weightless. Hey, Yelly, welcome back. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Yeah, I'm so glad that we get a chance to talk about the book, Weightless. Less, not waitlist, waitless by Maggie <laughs> McGill, pronouns she, they. And the, the kind of tagline for the book is a self guided journey to intuitive movement. Um, weightless is a book that is really not long, you know, <laughs> like it's a short book. Yeah. And um, before we push recording, I know that um, we were kind of talking about like it was only 25 pages, but yet we have a lot to talk about. So, where do you want to start? Um, yes, it's like only 25 pages, but we were mentioning it's, there's a lot in it yeah. and it's such a good jumping point into all of these larger conversations mm-hmm. that we could talk about forever. Um, but maybe let's start with talking about, like, I don't know if you want to talk about your own relationship to movement and how that's changed in your life, mm-hmm. but I found myself reflecting about that a lot when I was reading, um, because especially there's a point in the book where Maggie talks about how much they hated running growing up. And that really resonated with me because I still hate running to this day. Like I remember running laps in gym class and like tasting metal in my mouth and just like absolutely hating it. And I was always the slowest person. And I truly just can't go on runs to this day because there's so many just awful like it just doesn't feel good in my body it's not an activity that I enjoy um so yeah that is like (laughs) really what resonated for me do you have something like that in your life yeah I mean I have my own relationship with movement too and you know my lived experience is different than Maggie's and I can remember Mm -hmm. some of the things that she brought up like uh, doing the mile run in school, doing um, the physical fitness test in school. Um, I don't know if they do that in Canada, but in the U.S., that's like everyone's rite of passage. Like you got to go through these things. And there's lots of like shaming that people experience. And I remember feeling like comparisons at that point. Um, I actually hate running as well, um, but <laughs> I grew up in a running family and I was a runner. Oh. 
And I had a coach in high school who said, Julie, I can time you with a calendar. So it was someone that they basically were not relying on to bring home any hardware in the races. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was something that like everyone in my family did and everyone in my family did for generations. And so it was just an expectation. And yeah, I hated it. I didn't like how it felt. Um, and, but yeah, like my lived experience having thin privilege is not the same as Maggie's, but I definitely had this experience of like, I don't like doing this movement, but I feel like I have to. Um, Mm -hmm. and now I say I'm a retired runner. I will not run anymore. It doesn't feel good to my body, my left hip, my right ankle, my knees. They all are, (laughs) were hurt by that, by running too much as a kid, um, and, you know, I just ran through high school and then I looked, I did some long distance running after college and yeah, I just, no more, <laughs> no more running for me. No more. Um, and you know, the thing that this, this book, and again, in this like 25 pages, Maggie, I don't know how you did it, but you did it like bringing up how movement and diet culture collide and bring mm-hmm. up so much. Um, and this is something that I think about for a listener who is like, yeah, like I feel really shameful about not exercising or I feel really um, like I should be doing more or I don't work out hard enough or I ate a certain amount so I should be moving more. And um, the whole like movement conversation or exercise, whatever word fits for you, um, is something that I find to be really hard to recover from when I've worked with individuals with eating disorders or people who are trying to move away from diet culture that like exercise and movement have been really fucked around with, with diet culture. So I don't, I wonder what you think about that, Ellie. No, I totally agree. I also think that there's this weird sense of also moralizing different types of movements Mm -hmm. as good movement or not good enough movement. Um, When I was growing up, a lot of the movement that I was drawn to was the like movement that was less sporty Mm -hmm. so I never liked running I never liked weights I never liked any like hitting the gym but I've always loved dancing like I danced for the majority of my life but I did feel this weird um I guess people kind of turn their nose up at it because it's not real movement it's Mm. not intense enough it hasn't been claimed by diet culture as much as other forms of movement like running and like strength training and like hitting the gym has been and because of that I uh I think that I just internalized it as less than Mm -hmm. um which is not true at all like dancing is so hard um right and I only did I only did it recreationally but like competitive dancing is a whole other anyways (laughs) I digress but and then also I am currently very um, drawn to yoga as movement, which I feel is really kind of um, there. We could do a whole episode about yoga, but that's also interesting because diet culture has co-opted that as well. And um, yoga is now very like predominantly white. And like, if you can't do this if you can't do tree pose perfectly then what are you even doing here? oh my you know gosh I mean? and it is like that dichotomy of like good bad this is good movement that's bad movement um yeah. and yes definitely diet culture has as everything seeped into um movement as well 
Right. That is like a, an important thing to sit with too, how you describe your relationship with movement and like the movement that brought you joy, how it was, it was just considered to be like less than. Oh my, and that mm-hmm. just <laughs> makes me so angry um, because like, yeah, it was something that was bringing you pleasure. And then like, oh no, you need to be like hating on yourself like the rest of us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's not right. Like, the only movements that are good enough are the ones that like cause you pain essentially is what Mm -hmm. I internalized as a kid, which um, Mm -hmm. was harmful. Like that's such a harmful thing to learn as a kid is that pain equals something that is good in some fucked up way, you know? Right. Yeah. Oh, that is so messed up. Like the pain means it's a good. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's so many things about diet culture that I just, you know, cannot stand. <laughs> you know, yes. it seems there's so many things. Um, but it has like labeled itself like this is a dieting behavior. Um, I think about like eating apples or eating a big mm. salad. Um, you know, people anybody may crave those things, like crave some fruit or crave a vegetable, but especially as a person's really working on repairing their relationship with food, it may almost feel like a speed bump of like, oh, wait, if I eat the salad, does that mean I'm dieting or I'm restricting? And I hear similar things with movement. Like, and so like, there's going to be somebody who actually loves like the treadmill or, Mm -hmm. you know, doing some yoga class where they sweat a lot. Um, And that's like, that's fabulous. You found something you really enjoy. And for everyone else to have to do that too, um, not so cool. But yeah, like that's that's a part I think that of movement and re- repairing your relationship with movement that makes it so complicated. And this may be kind of a bold statement, but whatever, um, <laughs> is I do think it's harder to recover your relationship with movement than food. Um, there's mm. something about the movement piece and this is not just something I'm like flippantly saying. It's something just after 20 years, like sitting across people and like taking some like notes along the way. It just seems like that part takes longer. And I don't know if it's because the food piece, I mean, we have to eat every single day and yep. and we don't have to move. Like Maggie says mm-hmm. in their book, we don't have to move. Um, I can't wait to talk about that part a little bit because I loved that part so much. Um mm-hmm. And so like we have to eat to stay alive. And so there's probably just like some kind of exposure therapy that happens. And, um, but yeah, like this movement piece can go on for a long time. And does it feel like a good time to move to that permission piece? Because that was something that I was really excited to see in written form about permission to not do movement. And so something that I'm remembering um, about Maggie's story, which we didn't explicitly say this, but Maggie is providing in this book, like a self-guided journey to intuitive mm-hmm. movement and like using their lived experience as kind of the the outline on some some insight for you. And part of like how she describes helping her relationship with movement was through giving, like saying, okay, I'm not going to feel guilty about not moving, maybe like doing the right kind of movement like you were describing, Ellie, um, or not doing enough and actually even saying, I have permission to not do anything. What was your reaction to that part? Yes, I loved that. I also, when what you said about mending your relationship with movement 
taking longer than food, that really does resonate for okay. me as somebody who has had to mend a relationship with both. Um, and I agree with Maggie in that I think a super important part of that is to give yourself permission to not move. Um, in like my own movement journey, especially after, you know, like dancing for five nights a week for 10 years, essentially, when I got to university and all of a sudden stopped dancing, I felt like so guilty about mm. not moving constantly. And something that really helped me was to lean into it and to say, it's okay. Like, you are not morally better for hitting the gym or going to dance class five times a week than you are if um, you sit on the couch and watch some TV. Like, if it all just depends on what brings you joy and what is soothing to you and what you need in that moment. Um, but this also just ties into diet culture and mm -hmm. the fact that, um, you know, like the, the stereotype of the lazy person sitting on the couch and just not getting up off of the couch and how that is really used against fat folks in particular. Um, it really resonated with me and it took me a long time to unlearn that. And um, like to this day, I still, if my partner really likes going on walks. So if Haley goes on a walk and I'm not feeling like going on a walk, a part of me still is like, you should just go on the walk because it's better than staying in bed for another 30 minutes, like morally. Mm. And it, in those moments, it really does have to be a conscious decision to say, no, it isn't. If you don't want to go on a walk, you can stay in bed and that is okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. That, that's like uh, so much work in the moment to moment, <clears throat> excuse me, like play by play, like having to sift through so many different, like I could just picture all these different like um, mm -hmm. thoughts or feelings. I don't know how your brain communicates to you, but you know, Maggie talks about mean Maggie <laughs> and yes. connecting to it when they were going through the the fitness kind of things during gym class. And, um, you know, I, I think about like you having to make all those decisions in the moment. That's like, it's not just one decision, you know, it's something mm -hmm. that it's having to decide like 200 times, probably in 10 minutes about what you're going to do next, you know? And, um, so exhausting. And that makes me think about too, you know, and, for the listener, I'm like, I, I wonder if like you follow along to this or not. It's okay if you don't, but like <laughs> sometimes I can go on a tangent, but I think about like how movement has to be no pain, no gain. It has to be, it has to hurt. We have to, and I, when I was hearing you describe some things, I'm like, oh, it sounds a lot like being productive and being a mm -hmm. good worker and not being lazy. Like hearing some of those things, that word lazy, I'm like, I, I just can't ever justify using it. Like, I just think it's loaded no. with so much bullshit. And well, the laziness the doesn't exist. Yeah. It doesn't that's exist. A, like, isn't there a whole book laziness? on that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope there is. I, don't yeah, know I think there is. There is. I, I think know. there is. I haven't read it. Um, if you're listening, you're like, oh, I've read it. Let us know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think so either. Like, I think like listening to what we need or just resting for the just wanting to rest, like not even like I need this, but just like mm -hmm. resting is wonderful. You know, that really rubs up against to like diet culture, having its connections with capitalism, white supremacy, all of that. That's why it's all wrapped together and why healing relationship with movement is so fucking hard. 
Yeah. Because it's like, it's going against all of that. And that's why if you're like frustrated, like, why isn't my relationship with movement changed? This, this is, it's a big, huge system moving mm-hmm. against you. And, you know, that's, I think that's really, really important. And um, something else that around in this place in the book that Maggie talks about that I also don't see in print very often was like the connection to trauma and movement. And Maggie, I mean, if you ever listen to this, hello, we loved your book. Um, <laughs> but thank you for sharing your experience of like having anxiety um, as you were like yeah. moving your body because it was the way the trauma was kind of coming up. And um, just like dieting is a trauma, uh, your way of like learning about movement, like Yelly, you're describing, you know, how you were taught like dancing wasn't good enough. Like that has like a wiring probably. I mean, I'm not in your brain with you, but like I'm assuming there's some kind of like some wiring in there that's connected to trauma, you know, mm-hmm. like that. Um, and one like kind of content warning I would just say too about this book is um, Maggie does talk about some behaviors that some people may just want to know about, like that have like some disorder eating kind of behaviors with like sneaking food. They're really common behaviors, um, but I just wanted to like, if you need to take care of yourself while you're reading it, just know that that's a part of it. But um, as she was like starting to move and like had a really supportive partner and felt it felt fun and challenging, all those things, but yet anxiety, like panic attacks started happening, right? And so um, that's just like a huge part of this too. And I think there's not enough like therapists who do trauma-informed work that appreciate that like this was going to happen. <laughs> Because so many are going to like be about weight loss and like, oh yeah, moving your body is great and not really appreciating the nuance. Um, Yeah. I just think that's a a really big part to kind of like lead into as well. Like this can be really messy and may take, that's what's make it, that will make it take, take some more time basically. So totally. Well, like that's a good segue into something that Maggie also mentioned, which is that movement is can be something that ebbs and flows Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be this huge constant in your life. Um, In the same way that healing from trauma is not linear. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, you know, like sometimes high highs and low lows and everything in between. Um, And Maggie talks about how after kind of discovering this love for certain kinds of movement, they also had to take a step away because of focusing on their work or on healing in other ways. Um, And that is also okay. Similarly Mm -hmm. to how food ebbs and flows and appetite ebbs and flows. And like, that's such a huge thing about intuitive eating as well. Um, I mean, the truly just the one biggest takeaway from this is that there's nothing like moral about movement. Just, you know, like move if you want to and don't if you don't. Um, and it's not as simplified as that. But um, that's something that really resonated with me as well. Mm-hmm. It did for me too. <clears throat> like it, reading about that part of like the seasonality, the ebbs and flow. I mean, there's just permission, I think, in whatever your present relationship is with food and movement that I got from reading this book, which mm-hmm. is really, I really appreciate. You know? yes. And I know that for a lot of people, myself included, like the season really dictates the craving for movement and, um, and just even also like season of life, you know, like where you are in life right now 
And you may be working a job that's exhausting or many jobs. And like, that's just not a time where you're going to be wanting to go home and do some movement. I don't know. (laughs) Rest may be what you really want to prioritize. And yeah, like how that can ebb and flow. Along with that too, um, talking about um, like her own experience with intuitive eating, which is another thing that I wish pe- more people talked about. Cause some people think like, Oh, if I read intuitive eating or any other kind of like non-diet approach, I can like in six months fix it all. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned it took five years to do yeah. all of that. And I was like, thank you for that explicit amount of time. Like that's actually a really normal amount that I've seen mm-hmm. with clients that I've worked with. And I think it'd be faster if it there wasn't like diet culture shit everywhere. <laughs> and there's definitely people who five years is not enough. You know, there's some people who at five years are like, yeah, I'm not, yes. I'm not in a place that I think it's feels neutral yet with food and movement. Totally. Um, yeah. I did want to talk about actually, um, now that you've mentioned it, Maggie talks about some neutral movement in their book, mm-hmm. which is something that I had never heard of before. I don't know if you had Julie, but I've heard of yeah. like, feeling neutral about your body. I've heard about body neutrality or feel like treating food as something that's neutral, but I've never heard of neutral movement. And the example that Maggie uses in their book is like going on a walk because you know that it'll make you feel better, like mental, Mm -hmm. mental health wise. So she talks about how sometimes she doesn't want to go on a walk, but in like, instinctually she knows that it will make her feel better afterwards so she says okay I don't want to do this right now it's not necessarily going to bring me joy but it I know that I it's what I need right now and I mean you were talking about how long it takes to heal your relationship with movement and I think that like my relationship with movement isn't even healed enough yet to the point where I can view movement as neutral after Mm. five plus years Because Mm -hmm. when I read that, I kind of pushed back against it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, I, I think that I'm not even at the point where if movement is neutral, I could still do it and not fall back into that old pattern of thinking. Like I think that I'm still at the place where unless I feel truly like overjoyed about the movement that I'm (laughs) about to do, I cannot engage because still that like slippery mm-hmm. slope for me but I'm interested to yeah. hear about what you um were thinking yeah I think that's like a really um like hearing your inner dialogue with connecting with movement that maybe would have an intention of like oh if I do this type of strength training it'll help strengthen my knees so then it won't hurt to walk I don't know like something that's what mm-hmm. I was kind of picturing too with some like neutral movement um how it can in itself um start to activate a part of the like disordered eating kind of wiring and disordered movement kind of wiring. And that's something like only you will know, like, and to protect that and know that, that that's there, I think is so important. And um, yeah, like that's like to, to like look for that basically um, because that's how you can protect yourself from like going down like a very slippery slope of getting reactivated like in the swing of things, right? Like that's where so many people will be like, yeah, it kind of just started as like, um, you know, joining a walking club. And then I started going, you know, even when it was raining and and then it just became this like other thing, you know, mm-hmm. that ended up becoming um, really rigid. 
And um, that's where I see trauma work being really um, helpful if um, for you, Yelly, or anybody who's like in a place where you know there's like a spot. Um, and also like, it's okay if you only want to connect to movement that's joyful. I don't know. Like to me, I'm like, hey, that's okay. You know? Um, I also think that, I guess, like, I think that it would also, I guess just to preface, I am not like hugely physically disabled. So I don't necessarily need neutral movement, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I am, yeah. I hold that privilege of not having a physical disability, which requires me to get physical mm-hmm. therapy, for example, or like I'm not neurodivergent in a way where exercise significantly makes a difference to my mood. So I think that um, while acknowledging the fact that I hold those privileges, neutral movement is probably a super helpful framework for folks that do have to go to physical Mm -hmm. therapy every week and don't necessarily want to, or it doesn't necessarily bring them joy, but it's just something that they need to do. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because yeah, that it may be a tool to like add to your toolbox of like strategies to help um, have more access or to feel, I don't know, like a way to manage just living your life. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, like finding, I mean, I say therapist, but you know, anybody who's trained in trauma therapies like EMDR, um, there's another one called AIT. That's one that I did that, um, I don't find a lot of practitioners that do it, but I loved it. But they basically, I think there's also one called brain spotting now also that's um, probably similar to both of those, but it basically helps you to bypass like a lot of the things that we do in talk therapy and Mm. really get to like where the trauma is living in our body to help us to like let it leave our body. I mean, that's literally... I mean, we could have a, a podcast episode at some point talking about like how some of this shit works. I mean, it's amazing, but um, yeah, fine. But you have to find a therapist who can do these things and also is really um, rooted in fat liberation mm. and not gonna like fuck around with any kind of diet rules or exercise rules. Like that's that's the thing that makes it so hard. Like these tools that have done really amazing things for people's relationship with um, the traumas with dieting and the tri- traumas with exercise and movement. But yeah, it's like finding the person to do it and having access to that person. But that is something that I've seen people be able to like, just like shake it up a little bit. And again, like literally like, the trauma is like, you'll still have a memory of it, but it won't be activating anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just so cool. Yes. Our brain is amazing. <laughs> so um, that... Um, I don't know. That's something that I hopefully more people will have um, as we're moving along. And I know we're running out of time, but um, what are our, any other like last things that you want to make sure that we mention before we start to wrap up? Um, let me see. I did want to mention, so there's a part in Maggie's book where they kind of go into the, but what if I gain weight mentality? Oh, and yes. I wanted to oh, see what you- this at the end. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to see what you thought about this because I feel like that's something that comes up repeatedly, even just in letters that we get for Mm -hmm. from people writing into the show of that. um, Like I, I see that this is a framework that would be helpful and probably 
healthier for me spiritually, mentally, whatnot. But what if I gain weight? What then? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, like, it's so easy for me to say, well, so wrong with yeah. But, you know, I need to um, just be explicit about my privilege and thin privilege. But, um, but the thing that I would say especially if someone was like sitting across from me and and I was their one-on-one clinician is um, you may gain weight and that is your body's way of healing. And I think we're not taught enough how weight gain is healing. Like mm. this is something that our bodies need to do. And sometimes we do throughout life, the longer we live, the more we weigh, like it helps us live longer. Um, I know people don't like talking about that either, but like, yeah, the more we gain, the better as we're getting older. And then when we hit around 70, we start to live off of it, you know? (laughs) So Mm -hmm. like, um, there's actually benefits to that. And for many people, as they move away from movement, they do gain weight. And I think, um, I can remember certain intuitive eating circles talking about like, well, you know, you eventually your, your body will, um, stop gaining or it will, um, I know basically promises of it'll find it's like um, lower weight eventually. And that's not a promise that anyone should be giving. Yeah. Um, nor should they, because that is um, like promoting more discrimination <laughs> against people in fat bodies. And, um, but yeah, like I think weight gain is like, it's something that our body does to repair. Um, so that's, that's what I think about that. And it, I think also with the movement piece, one of the reasons why it is one of the last ones to really get attention to in the repair process is because it can be like, um, I don't know if this is the right word, but like a sneaky way to still use diet culture. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, you know, oh, I'm just moving my body to de- de-stress or I'm just doing this exercise because of blah, blah, blah. And um, when we can't do it anymore, uh, for whatever reason, that's for a lot of people when they start to like, oh, like, I think actually I was using movement to weight suppress or to like keep my weight lower. So I don't know if that's what you were like thinking about with this conversation, but that's my initial kind of thought. Mm-hmm. That resonates with me for sure. I think that um, it's also just an example of why none of this work can exist without the larger conversation of mm-hmm. body liberation, fat liberation, mm-hmm. fat positivity. Um, because this is, like you said, something that comes up so much with people recovering from eating disorders or recovering mm-hmm. from their relationship with movement and stepping away from it or moving towards intuitive eating as well. There's so many people who see intuitive eating as another diet essentially like the Mm -hmm. warping of that is um something that can be very alluring I guess um and I think that it's just a huge example of how all of these systems are just one big like messy soup and (laughs) it just like can't uh, yes it's not it doesn't exist in a vacuum and it can't exist in a vacuum and uh it's why fat liberation as a framework is also just so important because I I definitely experienced that in my pull away from movement um where I gained weight and like am the largest I've been in the years that I haven't moved as much and I've had to lean a lot on fat liberation as a framework during that time mm-hmm. to kind of combat those um 
thoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you have those spaces to lean mm-hmm. on, you know, and yeah, it reminds me of a quote that I wrote down as my favorite quote that Maggie said was, uh, we are human beings, not machines. Yeah. You know, and, and moving away from movement and have permission to not move. Um, it's like that reminder that, yeah, you're a human being. You're not this machine who can just keep going and going. And this may be like the missing piece for you of like, what recovery looks like. Um, I hesitate to use phrases like full recovery. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, what does that mean? But like, this may be something to explore. And um, one other last thing that I wanted to mention about Maggie's book, which we'll make sure to put a link to the book in the show notes. Um, but there's a piece in there that talks about like, how do you know when you're ready to move? If you are someone who has been practicing permission to not move. And I also really appreciate this piece because this is something that um, a lot of people, as they read intuitive eating, you know, like the last principle is gentle nutrition. And so sometimes people will say to me, like, when am I going to actually crave salad? What am I actually going to crave exercise? Why is it not happening fast enough? Mm -hmm. And usually when people are asking that, I'm like, that's usually, not always, but usually a sign that like there's a lot of healing still needing to happen before um, because the way like those cravings kind of come in is so like subtle and um, it won't be like this all or nothing. Yeah. Like, yeah, now I crave going on the treadmill. And um, what needs to happen for so many is the amount of rest you need, you know, and there's like, especially those of you who have PCOS or insulin resistance or diabetes or any, or just any kind of like relationship to dieting that has felt really chaotic. Um, when you're eating enough and your body's had enough rest, like your muscles literally have had time to repair and there's been enough like nutrition going to them and safety and, um, yeah, just like time to repair. Mm -hmm. That's when there starts to be like a little tap of like, hey, I kind of crave moving my body. And um, Maggie talks about at first, like taking walks at night or in the evening or something. And that was like the first kind of movement that she was doing. And sometimes, again, there's going to be times where like that movement craving is gone. So um, being open to it, I think is really important. So this has been a really great conversation. And you were right. Like we are, have been talking for 33 oh, minutes. I knew we would. And this was a 25 page book. <laughs> So thank you, Maggie McGill, for this book. Um, And we are going to be talking about another book coming up next month, Decolonizing Wellness by Dahlia Kinsey. And I have been wanting to start this so badly, but I have been waiting till after this discussion because I didn't want to confuse the two. And um, it is on like this audio version of Decolonizing Wellness. So if you want to read it too, and then join our discussion next month, we would love that. Oh, but yes, I hope this uh, conversation about movement was helpful for you. And we look forward to having the next discussion about decolonizing wellness next month. Love a book. See you later, Yelly. Bye. (laughs) So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed our conversation about the book Weightless by Maggie McGill. There is a link below so you can get to it and connect with the wisdom that we found within this book. Again, it was small and mighty. It really provoked a lot of 
thoughts for us and feelings and this conversation. We could have gone on a lot longer and we hope you dig in and just let all the goodness flow from what you discover reading through it. So we are so appreciative of you, Maggie, for writing this book and we highly recommend it. And like I said at the top of the episode, if you have any books that you'd like to recommend, maybe you've written one or you're going to write one, or you've read one lately that has really impacted your food peace journey, send it on over to us at julieduffydillon.com slash contact. There you can also submit your dear food letter. We need more letters. We would love to have yours. So you can also get to that at julieduffydillon.com slash contact. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast, well, we are thrilled. We love bringing this content to you. So we are glad that you're connecting with it. It is really helpful for us as a small and mighty podcast team to have people support our show. Doing that really helps more people even just find the show and helps us to be able to grow. So you can do that by subscribing to an episode or subscribing to the show rather, or sharing an episode. And then of course, leaving a rating, a review. Doing those really, really helps. And I know I say it every episode, but it really helps. So if you haven't done it yet and you have a moment, please. (laughs) Thank you. And we appreciate um, any feedback. So the contact um, email address that I gave you at the beginning, um, julieduffydillon.com slash contact. That's also a place where you can give us feedback about the show. Is there something that we missed? Something that we can do better? Um, Feedback um, and being receptive to feedback is a value of ours uh, within my team. It's a, a important part of uh, my work and anyone that I um, hire to work with me also, I want them able to receive feedback. So this is something that we all really um, find valuable and important in order to do better. So if you have feedback feedback for us, we would really appreciate it. You can get to it at the same address, julieduffydillon.com slash contact. All right, Um, enough of all that. Thank you so much for joining this episode. I'll be back next week and it's featuring a dear food letter from someone that is a provider. So I'm excited to um, let you hear this person's experience and to be able to dig through it and um, have a conversation that I think you'll find really, really helpful on your own food peace journey. But until next time, take care. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Ready to join the anti-diet movement and take the Food Voice pledge? Go to julieduffydillon.com and sign your name to the growing list of people saying no to diets and yes to their own food voice. The Find Your Food Voice podcast is produced by me, Julie Duffy Dillon, and my team of kick-ass folks. I couldn't make the show without Yelly Cruz, assistant producer and resident book feed, and Colleen Bremner, customer service coordinator and professional hype master. Audio editing is from Toby Lyles at 24 Sound. Music is Fly Free by Hartley. Are you looking for episode transcripts? Get them at julieduffydillon.com, where you can also submit letters for the podcast, give us feedback, and sign the Food Voice Pledge. We need your voice to end diet culture. We literally can't do this without you. Subscribe to the Find Your Food Voice podcast to get weekly inspiration and education on how we can defeat diet culture. 
and reclaim our own food voice. I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Take care. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.